Hello, and welcome to Time Between Times Storytelling, with me, Owen Staten. Welcome to that place where you can sit back and relax and listen to a tale traditionally told. Welcome to the Time Between Times. The time when it is neither night nor day, but the sun has gone and the sky is grey. I have now started my ghost story season, so from now all the way through till Halloween every week you shall get a terrifying tale of ghostly goings-on. I hope you enjoy them, as much as I enjoy telling them. And please stay to the end of the podcast where I have a special announcement from me to you about time between times. So now is the time. If you can and it's safe to do so, sit back, close your eyes and let all your worries and your cares wash away like the evening tide. Let the words flow over you. Let your imagination open up for now is the time between times. The time when the sun starts to vanish and the moon starts to rise. The time when the veil between our world and the fairy world grows wafer, wafer thin. So thin that for just a few moments you can reach into the realm of fairy. And for a few moments they can reach into our realm. Now is the time that people see ghosts. Now is the time that people see lights in the sky. Now is the time that people see fairies. So take your winding path down the forest road and come to that clearing we all know well. The fire is dying in the centre, but it crackles still. On logs surrounding it are all our friends who are many now and gather here to listen to tales. You look around and see smiles aplenty, a welcoming place. And now, far away, we hear the howl of wolves, we hear the growl of bears, but we know we are safe, right here at the time between times. And let me tell you and take you to North Wales, to the town of Conwy, for the terrifying tale of the ghosts of Plas Maur. There in the centre of Conwy, Today, as it did 400 years ago, there stands a house, beautifully whitewashed, with one great stone turret in the centre of it. Palas Maur has 365 windows and 52 stairs, just like the days and weeks of the year. And 400 years ago plus, at the time of the great Queen Elizabeth, there lived a man, a great man, but a nasty, foreboding man. Robert Wynne, courtier to the Queen, a warrior, a statesman, a politician, and the man with the worst temper anyone had ever seen. He was known to beat his servants. He was known to get into fights all the time. They said that his rage knew no bounds, but he could also be kind to his family, to his children, to his friends, and generous with his gifts. And this tale starts with such a gift. For there in Plas Maur, four hundred years and more ago, on a morning where the sun was bright, Robert Wynne was leaving for London to see the Queen upon his horse. There was his wife, Dorothy. And there, standing next to Dorothy, was his small son, Henry. 
He knew he would not see Henry for many weeks, so he bent down and gave Henry a small carved wooden horse to play with, kissed him on the head, and said, Don't worry, I shall return. But in the meantime, look after your mother. I will return next month when the moon is full. Look for me on the road. You will see my lantern coming across the, the, across the moors. Please have food ready, and I will join you once more. He kissed Dorothy on the cheek, got on his horse and rode off, his cloak flapping in the breeze. Far away he rode all the way to London, and the best part of a month passed. When the moon was full, just catching it between the clouds, Dorothy and Henry would make their winding way up the staircase in the solitary tower at the centre of Plasmaur, until they came to one of the great windows overlooking far away towards the castle. And they watched as the sun set and the moon rose and the time between times came, and they watched as the night grew darker. This went on for more than one night. Henry would play with a horse on the floor, and Dorothy would sit in the window watching for Robert's return. But one night, just as darkness grew, just as the night came down like a shroud, Dorothy and Henry stood in that high room once more. She was watching the road, which was quiet as usual. Henry was playing with the horse, but she could see that he was tired. Suddenly a call came from downstairs as one of the servants called out, My lady, dinner is served. She took one last look out of the window, one last look down the path and saw no sign of Robert Wynne, and Rose took Henry by her hand and then looked and saw that the horse was gone. Where is your toy, Henry? The young boy just looked at her. They carried on walking down the steps. Round one bend they went, round a second, about halfway down the twisting, turning staircase, when suddenly Henry slipped. The wooden horse was on the floor, and Henry had tripped over it. There he started to tumble down the stairs. Dorothy tried to catch him, but as she did so, she lost her own balance and tumbled after Henry down, down the stairs. Every one of the stone stairs felt like a rock hitting her until she landed at the foot with a bang and a heap. Henry was still. Dorothy was still. The servants came running and picked them both up and took them into what is known as the lantern room at the top of Plasmau, a great bedroom with a huge stone fireplace and a window overlooking the main street. There in the centre of the lantern room is a great four-poster bed and a lantern high in the ceiling ornamental and beautiful. The servants put them in the bed and discussed what to do. Dorothy would not wake. Henry would not wake. What? What can we do? The head servant, the butler, Morlice, said, I will go into town. I will go into town and I will find the doctor. I will bring the doctor here. Make sure this room is locked and that no one enters and look out for Robert Wynne returning on the road. He will be in a foul temper. Please, let me be the one to speak to him first. 
Morlice left Plasmaus, slamming the oak door behind him, and rushed down the street to the tavern, the white horse, at the end of the road. He entered inside, and there was merriment, and there he looked for the doctor, but there was nobody. He looked around. He called out, Is there anybody here? Any doctor? Any medic? A young man was sat by the bar, got up and said, My name is Schenkin. I am a, a doctor of animals, if you like. I can look after sheep and horses. Can you look after someone who has been injured? said Morlice. Well, I, I, I could try my best. Uh, the, the, the main doctor is not here. He's out of town. But I will try... Come! Morlice took Schenkin back to Plasmaur. They rushed up the roadway, went through the great oak door, up the stairs to the lantern room and inside. The servants were still gathered round the bed, Dorothy and Henry inside, unmoving and pale and pale as ghosts. Schenkin took one look at them placed his hand upon their heads. I, I, I'm afraid that these two have quite, quite bad injuries. I, I, I don't think that I, in, in my skill as an animal doctor, would be able to do anything. You will look at them and you will care for them until I can find the doctor of the town, said Morlice. And he went out of the room and he locked the lantern room door. Schenkin hammered on the inside of the door. Oh, let me out, please. I, I, Robert Wynne, Robert Wynne will have my head for this. Please, let me out. There's nothing I can do. These people's care is beyond my means. Stay in there, said Morlice. And off he went, out to the oak door once more. The servants waited impatiently outside the door. Inside, all they could hear was silence. And then, at midnight... They knew it to be so, for the church bells nearby rang twelve bells. There came a hammering at the main door. Robert Wynne had returned. He marched up the stairs with purpose. He saw the servants gathered round. Why are you all here? The maid stepped forward. My lord, there has been a terrible accident. But your wife and your child are in the care of Schenkin. He is a local doctor, and he is in the room. The maid took the key and opened the door. The door opened with a creak, an eerie shadow cast across the room as the lantern just barely moved back and forth. The wind from outside grasped it, and Robert Wynne looked inside. There was his wife, there was his child, both still in bed. He rushed inside. Where is this, this shanking? Of the doctor, there was no sign. He rushed to the bed. He knelt down and started to sob. He placed his hand upon the heads of his wife and his child and realised that at that moment they had both slipped away into the land of the dead. He turned around. His rage knew no bounds. Of Schenko there was no sign. The window was closed. He slammed the door of the lantern room and bade that no servant should enter until he was ready to receive them. The darkness grew so black that you could not see your hand in front of your face. 
and the night was the longest in anyone's memory. But as the dawn started to break, as the sun started to come up, as the time between times became in essence, the servants became concerned, unlocked and opened the door. And there inside, upon the bed, lay three bodies. Dorothy, her neck broken. Henry, dead. And Robert Wynne, who had in the night taken his own life. They did not know what to do, but they took the bodies and buried them in the nearby churchyard. But that... That, my friends, is not the end of the tale. For it is now that this black tale grows even more grisly. You see, tragic though the end was, that tumble down the stairs, that broken heart suffered by Robert Wynne, the small wooden horse that had caused the fall, the doctor who came when the injuries were beyond his skill, now, my friends, that terrible struggle, that occurrence, that dark night is played out time and time and time again. Even now, Place Vaur is a place where people come from miles around to visit and make their way up the winding stairs. But many has been the occasion when someone stops and listens and up the top of the stairway they hear the cries of a small child. Many of the times the people have tripped on the stairs as an invisible something grabs their foot and more than one person has tumbled down to the ground. There, to stand at facing the lantern room. It is said that Schenkin climbed into the fireplace to try and escape the wrath of Robert Wynne. He hoped to climb out of the chimney and get away that way, but became stuck. Hundreds of years after the first horrible event, a skeleton was found in the fireplace as it fell down from the chimney in bits. But now, when the nights are dark, you can hear a knocking inside the fireplace and a voice crying out Helpuch i Helpuch i Help me Help me Some brave souls have slept a night in the lantern room but few have lasted more than one The voice of Schenkin can be heard calling from the fireplace where he is stuck but more terrifying still, guests have reported awaking in the night and seeing Dorothy at the foot of the bed, sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. As they rush forward to either comfort what they think is someone who has stumbled into the room, she will look up and vanish. It is said that the lantern room often carries with it the smell of lilac, which was her favourite perfume. And at any time of year, people who stumble into the room, walk into the room and look around, can smell the smell of lilac. And even from outside in the street, those that look up to the window at night 
can see the lantern swinging back and forth, although there is no breeze. And again, the spirit of Robert Wynne is often seen walking up and down the corridors, pacing quickly back and forth, a worried look upon his face, his hand upon his sword, as he searches for news of his wife and his child. Plas Maur, a place you can visit, a place I recommend you visit, but a place that is haunted by all these ghosts and more, all because of a tragic night that happened all those years ago. Now it stands in the high street in Conwy, but its tower stretches to the sky. I recommend if you can visit it, please do so, if you dare. And that, my friends, is the terrible tale of the ghosts of Plasmaur. It is still the time between times. It is not quite time for us to leave this place where we listen to tales and go back to our real world. So stop your fretting. Stop your worry. Let your imagination come alive. Do you have a favourite tale? Do you have a tale you would like me to tell? Do you have a question? Or even do you like the tales that are being told? Please write to me at owenstaten at aol.com or look for me on Twitter at Owen S. Griffiths. I answer all correspondence if I can and I love to hear from you. If you are enjoying this, please leave a review, subscribe on whatever podcast app you use, and you will never, ever miss another tale. And now I ask something small of you also. I have started a Ko-fi page, Ko-fi, K-O-F-I, and I will put the link in the show notes for this episode. If anyone wishes to buy me a Ko-fi, Please go to that site and it will be most appreciated. And I also have a limited number, a very limited number, of Time Between Times badges. So you can show your support for this, the Time Between Times. I would respect anyone who would go there and give a small offering. For this is very time-consuming, and then I can take more time to produce many more tales for you to listen to. Thank you. My preaching is over. I will release a video this Sunday. My YouTube video channel is still going strong. Every Sunday, a new tale. And you will hear from me again next week here on the Time Between Times podcast. Stay safe. Stay well. And love the stories. Goodbye.